hello everyone and welcome to uh, uh, the official podcast of Diet Nazis. Uh, um, Jesus. We are talking. We, we are finally we, my childhood dreams have come to fruition. We 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 are now obligated to because we did that funny little thing about Lindsay Ellis getting canceled. We're now obligated to watch her mammoth video on cancel culture. That's a fucking hour and forty minutes long, and um, yeah, we we uh we have uh, a special guest that. I am going to introduce for a second time in the second half of this podcast since we're recording this on a different day. Carol Grant. Hi, um, it's me. What's up, homos? Yeah. And we are we're talking about um uh God, we're talking about Lindsay Ellis's <laughs> video response to being canceled called. There's just something so end. funny of we're talking about <sighs> Lindsay Ellis that just I love how much it makes the soul curdle inside of itself. Yeah. Uh, God. Okay. So Lindsay, uh, to keep, to keep this going, if you're on Twitter at all, uh, Lindsay got canceled about a few weeks ago and then she made an hour and 40 minute long fucking video about, um, fast turnaround time. I got to give her that about, uh, <laughs> being canceled online. And she goes through the weeds of, history of how cancellation works and what that means and then her own cancellation and goes through it and talks about her own grief uh issues online and uh it is uh it's it's quite a lot it's a uh fucking horrible <laughs> video that i definitely paid a whole lot of whole lot of fucking attention to and <laughs> it uh yeah, it's uh it's there there uh, were many instances yeah. when I wanted to turn it off and like feel my finger hovering over like the close button, but I couldn't. Yeah. Like I couldn't stop it myself. Is, uh, <laughs> it's really it's really really bad. Um and it's not bad for the reasons you think it is because if I am being entirely honest, I don't want to get into the weeds of a cancel culture discussion on a fucking nostalgia critic podcast. I have my own very complicated feelings about it that I don't like to really talk about since this isn't really the place. Public forum generally isn't the place either. But I, I will say so much as this is about about half of what Lindsay says in this video, maybe like divorced from her persona and the way she says it is like kind of. No, uh, 100%. Like, the prognosis yeah. is totally accurate it's just it's coming from the exact wrong person from the exact wrong time yes. and with the exact wrong tone it's pretty incredible yeah 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 like okay like she, she i'm not going to go over every point i agree with on her but like the broad strokes of what she says about like left-wing twitter culture or whatever are are kind of correct but the there are multiple problems with what she is saying and for starters, the biggest problem is that it is Lindsay Ellis saying all of this. <laughs> like, I I am sorry, but like, okay, for starters, Lindsay, Lindsay, this is this is you, th this is you reaping, this is reaping, you reaping what you sow. Like, you 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 of all fucking people don't really get to like get up on the stand and be like, ah, cancel culture has gone too far. Like, I, there was a great Jeremy Mongeau tweet. It was just like, it's so great to watch like the roof of the house these people built cave in or something like that because she has spent like the past 
you know, six fucking years engaging in this like incredibly shallow, annoying discourse about stuff that leads to these liberal judgments about stuff. And there's this lack of nuance and discussion and everything. And as soon as it turns on her, it becomes a problem. It's, it's really, um, it's like, I never thought the leopards would eat my face, but for like cancel culture, basically there's a moment here where she uses the term woke scold and I, my eyes bulged out of my head. Like she sounded like a Marjorie Taylor green at that moment. It's, it's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, hearing Lindsay Ellis say woke scold feels like an anvil is being dropped on my head. <laughs> it's so funny. It's this video, My I gotta say, my primary takeaway from this video is that it is distressing in a lot of ways. Yes. And I think that she should, someone in her close circle should have stepped in and said, you shouldn't post this because yes. you are saying things here that are contradictory in a way that is going to make things worse, number one. Number two, you are getting emotionally vulnerable about things that you don't need to and that is going to come off as extremely tone deaf. Um, yes. And um, just in general, this is going to, like, you. this makes you come off so much worse than if you had just fucking ignored it. This is my. This yeah. is what I wanted. Okay. I would have respected her so much if she was like, "Well, I'm done with Twitter, but now I'm free and I can live my life." And she okay. keeps trying no, to make that I, point, but she's so clearly get, like, not more than free. anything else. Yeah, she. It is. Here's the thing. It it is so easy to ignore this shit, and I know that it's different on a different scale when you're a public figure and you're literally like trending on Twitter for days. Yeah. But that you know happened because she deleted her account primarily but even if it hadn't like when she's posting all these fucking in the video over and over again she's showing these screen caps of people talking about her and it's like well you fucking name searched Lindsay. like i don't know what to tell you i'm sorry that people are talking about you but you don't have to see it you're choosing to look at it and like that's the point where i'm not sympathetic like I, i i can't be you are choosing to engage with this and acting and acting aggrieved you can ignore it it's easy to ignore it all right. So I I personally I personally need to make one thing very very clear here. And that is that um if you yourself are being canceled. This is all I'm going to say about cancel culture in this. If you yourself are being canceled or harassed or dogpiled or sea lion or whatever, you have exactly two options to make the situation better. The first one is to apologize and only do this if you mean it. Yep. And I will give Lindsay credit. She does not apologize for anything she doesn't mean. That I will give her credit for. The other thing you can do is you cannot apologize. You can ignore it. If you're right, you're right. And move on. These are the only two things that you can do. If you hedge your bets at all, if you dig deeper, if you hedge, if you kind of apologize, but you kind of don't, if you offer some, like, mealy mouth stuff, if you offer some, like, justifications, which in this video she gets extremely vulnerable for reasons that are not terribly comfortable i um you know i I am going to say this here you should uh what is it you should not do any of that it is going to make it so this is actually a really good video for you to research on how not to handle this kind of thing it's like so many different kind of and she does again she does like a couple things like again she doesn't apologize for anything she doesn't mean like sure that 
that's fine. But just in terms of like the general uh, gestalt of it all, just the whole project of it is so wrong on its face that she would have been so much better served. Like her, even her mental health would have been better if she just went, yeah. I'm good. I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. Well, this is the part of this yeah. situation where you were supposed to, I think, like you say, Spencer, sit back and say, even if you are genuinely upset, and it's, a, I think, a fine reaction to have. Like, I don't mean to imply what I said earlier, that, like, it is not okay to be upset when you are getting dog piles. I think that's understandable. Yeah. But the way that you are supposed to react to that publicly is to, in my opinion, to do nothing. To say, I don't care. Yes. To say, it doesn't matter. Because people will fucking move on. They will. They only do this because yeah. they are trying to drag a, you know fucking uh, 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 admission of guilt out of you. They're yeah, trying and, to yeah. and obviously the there's booth. obviously there's a huge difference between being canceled for some innocuous shit like talking about Raya and the Last Dragon <laughs> than like yeah. being canceled yeah. because of rape culture and stuff for doing something literally illegal and immoral. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That yeah, that's sure. obviously a okay. whole different this, thing. This, this, yeah. But if you are doing something that is not like, you know, sexual assault, um, if, if you are doing something and you say something that gets you in trouble from any group of people, you really have to take stock of whether or not you feel bad about saying this and whether or not you regret Or if it. the people you hurt it, want yeah. to hear more from you, which they most likely very much yes. don't. Yeah. Yes. If you hurt people and they don't want to hear more from you, then what you got to do is just apologize and that's it. That's all you can do. That's all you can do in that situation. You, I, I, and look, I personally don't think Lindsay really did anything wrong in comparing one children, adult, like cartoon. Yeah, because again, like the prognosis is correct. And also like the one good point that she made, which is that these are like Raya and Avatar The Last Airbender are like, quote unquote, like Asian culture, YA, like fantasy projects that were made by white directors like yeah. so here's, here's something that's really important about this that i think we sort of talked about a little bit in our initial kind of Lindsay special episode when this first happened is that what happened yeah. to her is like it yeah first of all the thing she said wasn't wrong right it was absolutely being maliciously misinterpreted by people who frankly for reasons that are justified mostly don't like her um and it was I think, basically like, just I, the, is, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah, it is understandable yeah. why she would look at this situation where she didn't say anything wrong and was being deliberately, t- you know, misinterpreted um, and say, this is bullshit. I can't. Why is this happening to me? But the problem is that yeah. the what you do again, what you do in this situation is you just have to say, hey, listen, that's not what I meant, uh, you know, calmly. That's not what I meant. I'm sorry if you misunderstood what I was trying to say. If I didn't word it right, this is what I was trying to get yeah. at easy that's all you had to do but because she is who she is and we'll get into the you know i think this video is is unbelievably self-serving and egomaniacal yeah um Mm. and we'll you know it is it is uh, yeah but yeah no i and that doesn't even get into the fact that she references drill in it like a hundred times like oh my dude 30 year olds fucking love making drill jokes it's like stop it if you are listening to this podcast i i want you stop making drill references okay drill's a funny guy he's made a lot of funny classic tweets do not reference him ever 
It is not funny. It is one of the least funny things you can do. It is fucking referencing the big Lebowski <laughs> who are online. Wow. You need to not re- don't reference the candle joke. Don't reference the uh, these things are the same to me. Uh, don't reference the fucking drunk driving tweet. Like I, I'm. Just it's funny because funny, I did make the reference that the- she was corn cobbing like real hard. But, I mean, there's a huge difference between, like, obviously doing it online and saying the stuff out loud is, like, wow. Yeah, that's crossing a Rubicon yeah. for sure um, in a major yeah, that, way. Yeah, that, that, is, that is worse. But I, I, I just want to issue a blanket and worded advice to all of our listeners. Just, like, avoid the drill references. It's, a uh, it's just, <laughs> let's let that fad die. Fair but, enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the... Oh God! So she, I guess there's two main ways in which this is like extremely self-serving, and the first of which is that even though she is like refusing to apologize, which is respectable, she's doing so because she sort of implies that most of the people yelling at her were white. Oh, she doesn't. Um, she doesn't imply it. She outright says it multiple yeah, she times. Says, she uses she, when she yeah, uses she the term "diet Nazis." It's a very nice rhetorical strategy to ignore all of the people of color who were saying all sorts of like, um, yeah. actually, this is fucked up thing. Like, for example, I am yeah. a, a Southeast Asian American trans person. And mm. I was like, you know, even though this isn't fucked up, it's also fucked up what she said. Like, it, it was kind of both. It was mm. hard to describe. But um, just her just using diet Nazis... And allowing it to be, like, turning it into yet another Gamergate grievance. Like, she mentions Gamergate yeah. a lot in this video. Why do, why do people, people fucking, t- like, I'm sorry, unless you're, like, five people, you're not allowed to yeah. talk about Gamergate. Like, it's the fucking That's war. the thing. Like, we I'm, were talking about Gamergate was, like, Spencer. a certain culture's 9-11. <laughs> well, that's yeah, the thing, though. But you, Gamergate you, is something that happened in a major way to, like, five people, and their lives were made extremely horrible. For a period of time and in ways that probably reverberates yeah. to their lives right now. But there are a million fucking people on the internet who have decided to make it part of their personal history. Like, that Gamergate yeah. was something that happened to them. And it's it's like, no, yeah. it didn't. I'm sorry. Lindsay Ellis, yeah. Gamergate did not, not happen to you. Yeah, if you are if you were not like fucking Anita Sarkeesian, the, the sum total of Gamergate happening to you was like guys with display names like the sword of Sonic or something like replying to you and saying like, you are an epic buffoon or something like that. Like that. I'm sorry. No, like I I've pissed off that crowd before. It's hilarious. Like I have, I, I have spent a lot of time trying to get those people irritated because it is really, really funny to get like angry nerds who beat off to video games. Really, really mad. It's yeah, no, there's a difference between like the people who had, uh, you know, who got like swatted, um and had like dudes in yeah. body armor kick down their doors and someone with the username like the logic warrior uh <laughs> tweeting at you about how they actually like um that Li- yeah. liara has boobs in mass effect or something like it's a fucking yeah. universe apart like i i'm sorry sorry it was like it i i saw so many fucking gamergate tweets during while it was happening and it was all just like the corniest know your meme shit imaginable oh. it was guys who like use green text all the time <laughs> just posting smug anime girls and going like uh that face when uh the epic fail woman says that um uh 
uh, uh, anime can't be lewd or whatever. It's like it's just that incurable Reddit brain. And I, 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 if you're afraid of those people, that's on you. Like unless you had your fucking like address posted somewhere, you you really should not be afraid of those fucking people. And to be fair, Lindsay does say that people have like kept trying to send things to like p- her employers to PBS. Yes, and that that no, is bad. Absolutely. That is bad. Unequivocally, but. She also, but again, again, she tries to like conflate that w- that very real thing, which is terrible, with Gamergate and saying that Gamergate is like very much like I'm sure that like there is a line you can draw between the two, but to like it's just so fucking crass using it. Also, I'm like I'm sorry, Lindsay, but like you said, Spencer, like this is making your bed and lying in it. Like, yes, I agree that it is shitty yeah. behavior to send a video that she made 10 years ago to her current employer to try to get her fired. But this is exactly what people like yeah. Lindsay Ellis have been doing for years, trying to get people fired yeah. for what they do on the internet. And I agree. A lot of the time, it's not... Okay, most of the time. Unless it's like, you know, something that is... Do, the PL, someone is doing something that is directly harmful, um, then yeah. it's not okay. But, yeah. a, again, it's just yeah, Most of the time, trying to get someone fired is... Like, almost always, if you even really, even if you really even have to, like, think about it, it's probably a bridge too far to get someone fired. Um, uh, but, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, that, that, it is very much in her bed and lying in it. And also, yeah, it, um, yeah, it sucks. And that, that is part of why this is, and also, I need to say also that about the whole everyone white yelling at her thing. It's like, okay, Lindsay, um, I don't think most of the people yelling at you were white. Maybe they were. I don't know the exact statistics. I don't know how you can know the statistics of the breakdown, really. It's really just what she you She saw. has one and, uh, example, and it's uh, really horrifying both, like, f- like, for her and, like, against her example. That she, she comes up with... Uh, she has this one tweet from someone who was apparently... Uh, one of those people who says, oh, I'm a black person and I was offended, but they were actually a white person. And who knows how true that was yeah. because she doesn't live give off any references. She just tells us that and we have to assume yeah. that she was correct in saying that. So yeah. I don't even know. And there are people like that who do exist and they are really fucked up and shitty and also like pathetic yeah. and funny. But at the same time, the way that she engaged with that, where she mm. started saying... Like, with the biggest air quotes ever, person of color was trying to slander me or something. It's like, that's just not a good look. Well, but then also she she uses that example to lead into this thing of like, you know, she says, I think almost explicitly, like, people are, you know, so obsessed with identity politics now that you don't know, you never know who you're really talking to online. And it's like, you know, I'm watching yeah. fucking Ben Shapiro all of a sudden. It's like, oh, my God, Lindsay, yeah. this is crazy. Okay. So this is like this is why this is like the worst thing she could have done since it is an exceptionally cowardly hedge of her since she has to like simultaneously say the criticisms aren't valid. And also everyone's saying this is white. You have to pick one or the other. I'm sorry. Either the criticisms aren't valid and it doesn't matter what people are, you know, yelling at you for. Um, like, you, sorry, you have to, like, kind of make that call. If a lot of people are yelling at you and you don't think you deserve to be yelled at, then kind of doesn't matter who is doing the yelling at you, really. It's like, if you think you're right, then you think you're right. But the other half is that, you know, or you can go and say, uh, everyone yelling at me is white. 
And obviously that's just not true, but uh, you, you, you can also choose that card if you want to play it. You cannot play both. That is not something you can do. You can't simultaneously go, uh, you all are wrong, and also, uh, you're white. You, you can't. That, I, and also, if just, someone you, was white, yeah. they may have been queer or trans or some other marginalized yeah. thing. So it's like, yeah. yeah. That's, that, that, that also kind of leads us into another part of the video that made, I should say, by the way, if it's not immediately obvious, this video made me so fucking mad. I hate Lindsay Ellis. I think she's a terrible person. Oh, 100%. Um, in a way that, like. Oh, I know she is. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to get into it, but I, I, everyone, I have heard Everyone stories. on this podcast right now has heard stories that we're not going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, we're not going to talk about it, but trust me when I say that there is, like, there are not many online figures that I have heard worse stories about than fucking Lindsay Horrifying Ellis. shit. So just going into this knowing yeah. that she is a bad person. And also, like, has, this video. also has kind of an emotionally manipulative streak. I mean, it's like... Oh, yeah. Yo, Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. You could, like, see it. You can yeah. see the tactics that, like, we've heard the stories about in this video. Like, to the, yeah. like, Esther, I want you to talk about this because it's incredible. And it's the, uh, it's the, uh, my, my Vietnamese, my half Vietnamese friend bit. <laughs> Oh yeah, so I I have been sort of uh, there. There is I've been told. I think Spencer actually sort of told me yeah. that this might have been a joke, but I do want to sort of get into it because of how poorly it's handled. Yeah, I I want to cl- clarify just in case Lindsay is somehow uh, listening. Lindsay, if you're this, listening, um, go fuck yourself first of all. Lindsay, if you're listening to this, would you like to be my girl? Lindsay? If <laughs> Lindsay, if you're listening to this, please listen to anything else. Your life will be so much yeah. better off. <laughs> but but no um yeah no I I want to clarify that what we're about to talk about there's a decent chance it's a joke uh we're about to talk about she references a my southeast uh Asian friend who I can't talk about I want to keep his identity private and they, he does and then next up is like a screen cap screen cap that very clearly she's, shows she yeah status. so she shows this thing that's like you know I want to share a message I got from a friend of mine who's uh and I won't I can't share what their name is but I will just say because it's relevant they're half Vietnamese and it shows a discord screen cap of a message from just Todd in the shadows and the name isn't censored and I want you know censor you say that's a an in joke because Todd is you know yeah Todd is a running thing about the uh Todd is a running thing about like his identity being like a secret on the show even though he stopped really caring about that it's still like a running <sighs> bit that he likes to be mysterious but even giving but he has he's been also this is the wrong place to do a running gag doubt, yeah even giving her the benefit of the yeah. doubt that this is a reference to todd's running joke it is so insanely tone deaf and so like yeah poorly executed and because there's not jokes in the rest yeah. of this video like we are not probably going to get into it too much but she goes there's a what, long you, segment of this you video didn't laugh at the drill reference yeah there's no, you, didn't laugh, you didn't laugh at, there's a long segment you didn't of this laugh at the montage <laughs> Of all the black Twitter sayings that she no, likes, yeah. you didn't laugh. But there's that. a long, that wasn't the funny. long part of this video where she talks about like a time when she was sexually assaulted, and the idea that she would also yes. include in this hundred minute video like a reference to an in joke to one of her fellow YouTubers is just like, even if I were to buy that that was the case, why would you do that and do it in a way yeah. that is not why obvious? You... It's insane. It's it's so gross. Yes. Also, yeah, again. Todd is her ex-boyfriend too. Yeah. So yeah. like I I that's not that's not a great defense. It's like, well, this person I used to date is on my side on this issue. Like That well, I mean she does that constantly throughout the video. She says, Oh, well, everyone who criticized me was white and all my friends, you know, who are people of color, they're they were all on my side. So like 
Yeah, all these extremely hey, hey, annoying as a as a trans woman of color here, as a trans woman of color, I'm here to say fuck off the edge of my dick, please. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, all of uh, yeah. Oh, uh, do you think I'm racist? Well, all of these other really really annoying people who make YouTube videos about why the B movie is socialist <laughs> agree with me. Um. So yeah, yeah. I, I, a large portion of this video, besides just sort of the talking about this specific incident, is she goes in this like. Okay, so first of all, I do want to say a, a running, do we a running joke on on get cynical is we talk about uh, moments in the channel awesome movies when Lindsay Ellis is very clearly drunk or hungover. Um, yeah, and I was. It's a. It's definitely a running joke that's not based on any real behavior. No, yeah, and in fact, it's something that was in her videos for a long time. She would be jokingly like yeah. drinking the whole time, and as I was watching this video, I was like, yeah. huh, it's interesting that uh, she hasn't started drinking yet, but she sure is slurring her words a lot." Um, and then, as she starts doing this portion of the video, that's like her running down her list of sins. She just starts doing a shot for each one, and she probably wasn't actually doing a shot. I know, like I'm not stupid about how video production works, but like. It's also pretty clear that she had been drinking at some point before she started filming this. Because um, holy shit. Yeah. Mommy had a little drinky. Uh, Should we talk yeah. about some of the scenes uh, she's, she gets into? Yeah, so the, the, the bulk of the video is her talking about, like, the sins that she was accused of, like... You know, you know how it is online. You get canceled for one thing. Everyone brings up the receipts. Shit the receipts. Like, you know, all, yeah, 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 the yeah, receipts yeah. of everything done the best. Which, one thing she is right about is that it is dumb the way people like if you do something bad and you apologize for it, it's still like on your permanent record. Like, I, I think that's. I personally think that's dumb. But um, I, 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 I God, she she goes through all of it. Most of it's just, like, stuff she did in her channel Awesome Days, and she apologizes for it, which, fair enough. But the two things on here that get at me. The first thing is that she talks about Mara Wilson. I would love to get into that. She talks about how one of the things she was canceled for is being biphobic to Mara Wilson. Can I sort of explain how this works? Because it's crazy. I love... I'm sorry. I'm a bi person, and, like... Biphobia, that's one of those like that that just call it homophobia. Whatever I I'm gonna get in so much trouble for saying this, but just like I'm a bi guy and like I, I always feel like the way people like divvy out homophobia and transphobia into like more specific things, like especially when there's like biphobia, it's just like just call it homophobia. It functions the same way. Unless you're talking about like someone who's just like someone posted on Twitter some shit like bisexuals be drinking iced coffee <laughs> but like that that's just ah god sorry how could you I, even say that so spencer <laughs> no it's i'm just I'm sorry it's so fucking annoying the way bisexuals this the way that coffee. people like have to <laughs> the way that people just like have to make like a biphobia in particular like its own thing like it's just like it it, it does exist there are there are ways in which you know people who are bisexuals have to deal with oppression but it is useful to it is more useful to discuss that stuff under the homophobia umbrella because that's the actual societal ill. Fucking Republican lawmakers aren't going like, well, we need a bill against bisexuals who be cuffing their jeans in particular. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, like, if you want to talk about uh, the way bis uh, why homophobia intersects with racism or misogyny or some other thing, that's fine. But. The when you say the phrase biphobia, you're making me feel like fucking Mitch McConnell is up in there just being like, hmm, well, uh, 
God, all of these fucking uh, Phoebe Bridgers fans need to keep making down a peg. <laughs> you see, the, the homos I can deal with, but it's the bisexuals. Yeah. They, they need to go. Yeah. But yeah, let's, this, yeah. okay, so the Mara, the way that this Mara Wilson segment works, and I will say up front that this is the part of the video where I realized that someone needed to step in with her and say, you, you can't yes. post this. Yes. What happened with this is that there, one of the things that was going around when she was being canceled is that there was a Mara Wilson sort of interview that was floating around where she talks about, yeah, when I came out as bisexual, one of my friends was like super dismissive and said, no, you're not bisexual, you're straight. I don't, you know, was just a jerk to her, basically, and was like a gatekeeper. Um, didn't name the friend, but then someone else was like, oh, interesting that uh, when someone said this friend was Mara Wilson, Mara Wilson liked those tweets and liked a lot of other tweets about Lindsay being canceled. <laughs> and here's the thing. This is very easily something that you could have just, if you're Lindsay, not addressed. And there would have at least been the plausible deniability of like, well, no one's come out and said it. No one's confirmed it. Yeah. So it's very easy to say, well, who knows, right? This could very easily just be rampant speculation, you know, gone awry. But here's the thing. In the video, Lindsay not only addresses this, but confirms that it happened. <laughs> yes. <sighs> she, she confirms. That she was biphobic to Laura Wilson. It's so good. It's so awesome. Why would you ever admit that? Why, Why would you talk about that on your fucking channel where you have 1.2 fucking million subscribers? Who fucking cares that you were biphobic to Mara Wilson? Oh, my God. It would have been so, so easy to never bring this up. Oh, and by the way, this is this is why I kind of hate, like, bread tube culture in general, which it, it, it is a real thing. Like, that culture is a real thing. It's the reason why I hate that sphere in general is that there is this insistence that all of your public like all of your private life stuff has to be made public it has to be made into content it has to be a yeah um uh what is it 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 has to be made it it, uh it like that that is that is the one of the biggest problems with this video is that it is made by someone with pathological issues surrounding performing for people online and I think if there's any lesson I want young people online to internalize is that the person you are online should not be everything you are. Like you really should not give every aspect of yourself to the whole world. There are some things about yourself that should be for your friends and family. There's some things that need to stay private. Whatever those things are is very much up to your boundaries. But if you try to make your whole world part of a public performance act, you are going to end up like Lindsay Ellis. Yeah. That's It'll the happen yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, but that—that that is absolutely the thing, and that is why she was such an easy target for this. Is people like her, like who put everything of themselves online and make it, you know. This is sort of, you know, I, I fucking am so sick of the term parasocial relationships. Right? No one uses it right anymore. It's it's dumb. It's misapplied everywhere, but. Something that nobody talks about. Me and my son have a parasocial <laughs> relationship. It's so toxic. Oh, man, Spencer, you and I, we, we have such a parasocial relationship because we, uh, yeah. you know, text. Um, Me and my surgeon have a parasocial <laughs> relationship. But something that nobody talks yeah, about. Esther, I, Esther, I yeah, Esther, I used to be a fan of your reviews. So uh, we, we, yeah, this is so un- we have a parasocial. <laughs> but something that nobody talks about with regard to this stuff is the fact that, like, all of these creators, like this is not a something that is on the onus of people who watch these people, right? These creators are taking yeah. advantage of it. They're doing it on purpose. They're making all of yeah. themselves the same thing as their online brand and creative persona 
because they know that people will latch onto it that way. And that is exactly what Lindsay Ellis yeah. did and what so many of these fucking bread tube people did and all kinds of YouTube people did. And that is why it is yeah. so easy for people to, you know, to dogpile them the way that they did her because she yeah. is, you know, she wraps up everything that she is online with who she actually is as a person. And it's so much harder to go after someone that way if there is that distance, if it doesn't seem like, oh, I'm like talking about yeah. someone who's real and like really real. And maybe that's kind of fucked up to say, I don't yeah. know. But I really do believe that like, I agree, Spencer, you've got to keep some separation there. Yeah. Yeah, you really have to for, like, the sake, like, even for yourself. Like, even if you never get canceled, it will eat you from the inside out if you let, like, the whole world see who you are. It's just not what... This is, this is by the, the way, right exactly what the McElroys are going through right now, where they're in a oh, position God. where it's, yeah. like, because they have just turned their entire family and all of their family relationships into content, they now have to, like, fucking do HR mediation about the actions of one of the yeah. brothers... <laughs> And like, yeah. it's like, are they going to have to fire their brother from the podcast? It's so fucked. Yeah. But that's what this, that's what happens when you turn yourself into content, yeah, you're only happens. content anymore. Yeah. No, that, that, the, the, the personal life vlogging culture is very, very demonic and you need to, I, 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 I am a firm believer in dignity and that part of dignity is understanding that some things are for your loved ones. And I. I don't, I, it's up to you what that is, but I really strongly recommend you don't go down the Lindsay Ellis route of airing your biphobic grievances against Mara Wilson in an hour and 40 minute long video essay about teenagers yelling at you online. Oh, by the way, that's a good thing. She says that do. the reason that she said that she didn't believe Mara Wilson was bisexual was quote, at the time she, her dating style reminded me of one of my straight roommates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's actually the first time I've actually been like, damn, that is kind of biphobic. That's the first, that's the first actual biphobic thing. Damn, <laughs> they really do be drinking that iced coke. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, damn, was maybe, actually invented by. Damn, maybe this is a problem. It's that's like the first actual instance of biphobia <laughs> I've ever seen. Is <laughs> when she said like, yeah, this woman dates a lot of men, so therefore she can't be. It's like, God, it is, yeah, it is so, so awesome. And like all of the excuses that she has in this are so self-serving. And so like, well, I was an innocent person who couldn't have done anything wrong. It's it's like, you just say, I fucked up. Yeah. And she does admit that she fucked up. But here's how you address the Mara Wilson controversy. First of all, you don't talk about it. Second of all, you don't fucking talk about it. Third, if you have to fucking talk about it, say, I, even though Mara Wilson and I are not friends anymore, I am genuinely really sorry that when she tried to come out to me, I didn't believe her. I am really sorry about that. And I will never do something like that again. That's it. Yep. So you fucking do. You don't try to go like, well, you know. Or or she, hey hey hey. Even she better. Wasn't even better. That iced coffee. Do those apologies privately between each other. Yeah. Don't hash it out yeah. online or make it a public display. Yeah. Not everything again has to be part, content. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that is so don't much of this video. Don't say like, well, you know, you know, I, I'm sorry that I said that you weren't a real bisexual, but those genes. Weren't they weren't cuffed. Yeah, I don't know what to tell like, you. I was perfect. It was an understandable mistake for me to this make. This is so much, and this there's another amazing moment in this video where um, she talks about, Spencer, this is what you were astonished by, I know, when you saw it. There's a bit in one of her videos where she is showing, like, clips from 
various Disney movies, and it's one is supposed to be like you know, she's going like the L's, the G's, the B's, the T's, and each one is supposed to represent one of the letters. And the, le- the one she uses for the T's is a gorilla from Tarzan wearing a dress. <laughs> yeah, and this is a moment. You know, she said. <laughs> She said it was. Which, said it was. Yeah, it was fucked up of me to say trans women are gorillas because they're often compared to gorillas, and I'm like, first no, of all, they Lindsay, are not. Lindsay, I, I, what? Who are you talking to? <laughs> who told you that? What? That is not. That is a. That is something that has happened three times. That is. But my favorite. My favorite part of this bit is where she says, "Oh yeah, I actually really regret this one. As soon as I uploaded the video, I knew that I shouldn't have done that." And it's like, well, Lindsay, if that was true, you know what I would have done is probably take the video down. And you just, could easily yeah. re-upload it and like just, just change it. <laughs> but yeah, it's so obvious that it's like, yeah. no, you didn't give a fuck until someone told you they were mad at you. And now you're going back and being like, oh yeah, I knew that was wrong. No, you didn't. <laughs> fuck off. I, I'm no. so sorry that I said that trans woman be looking like the Phantom of the Opera in my video. <laughs> uh, there is a long and storied history of trans woman being compared to the Phantom of the Opera. I was called <laughs> the I Phantom think- of the Opera as a child, Spencer. Yes. <laughs> we all get it every day in our DMs. Just not it's it's not like a comment I maybe I'm just it's it's cooler circles than mine, but I, I am aware of many, many horrible things that trans women get called on a regular basis and gorilla gorilla is not one of them. That uh, The only that is, time not... that has ever happened, unfortunately, is like conservatives obsessing over the conspiracy theory that Michelle Obama is actually a trans woman. And, yeah. and, but that's, and that's more to like do with like racism there. because yeah, they're exactly. yeah it's like the whole like mongrel fucking thing like don't project that it's mm. i just i just love the idea that Lindsay in Lindsay ellis's circle people are constantly calling trans women gorillas and she's like nah, i knew that was a thing that people said all the time and i should have known better it's like, no Lindsay, that's yeah i don't know where you've been hearing that so much but you I, need to it talk just, to those people. it reminds me of this one joke from community where it's like we were originally called the greendale grizzlies but these these students have been called animals their whole lives <laughs> <laughs> it is literally that it is literally fucking that god but we have to get we have to get into the weeds of the really like kind of repulsive part of this and that is so what comes up is the uh lindsey ellis has a very infamous skit from the early 2000s called rapping about rape and uh yeah it's uh i haven't watched it i assume it doesn't age well it's a rape joke from the early 2000s Mm -hmm. those things uh those things age like milk and um then uh so she talks about it and uh, what she does is in order to justify making the video is that she talks about her own experience in pretty decent amount of detail, her own experience being sexually assaulted and, uh, her friend's experience being sexually assaulted and the healing process, etc. And, uh, I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable making jokes about it or really weighing in no on one this. Should. Um, I, I, yeah, I, but I do think that it, it rankles me a bit that she in her big defense about being canceled she has to include like this really tragic genuinely really tragic personal anecdote um as sort of a shield from potential criticism about the way she was insensitive in discussing Rhea and the last yeah that is that is that that maybe it's not my place to be offended by that but I, I, and I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm offended, but I, I do think that was the point where someone should have stepped in and said, it might be a little tasteless to 
kind of weaponized your own trauma to defend yourself against people calling you racist online. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, this is something that we have to sort of to, to, yeah. to take, you know, to, to sort of take, take yeah. the energy down a little bit, like to, to talk carefully it's... about. But I do agree that it feels like, again, someone should have told her, like, listen, Lindsay, this is not going to come off well. This is going to come off yeah. as really tasteless. And I understand that, like, the way that it is presented, this is her ex, you know, because one of the things she talks about in the video yeah. is that it was published without her permission because she accidentally, like, it was accidentally automatically uploaded to an FTP server where, you know, the the channel awesome FTP, and so that they, uh, the site's administrators basically posted it because she hadn't posted in a while, and then refused to take it down. And once it's up, you know, it's everywhere. It's going to be replicated everywhere. And that genuinely that sucks. sucks. It really yeah. does. That's that's fucked up. That's yeah. awful. And like, it sucks that that happened to her. Especially if this, you know, was a video that she made as part of, like, a process of healing from this really traumatic event. Yeah, a very That's private awful. process. Because that was, like, the one time she was like, oh, this thing needs to be private. And didn't yeah. include yeah. it as part of her content. Because, of course. I, I Yeah. I think for her, I think that uh, with addressing the ra rapping about rape video... I think the better call would be to not lump this in with the whole Raya and the Last Dragon stuff. Absolutely. I, I really do think that, I, I think that the, because I know this, this probably isn't even what she means, but the way it comes off is, you know, I have trauma, so you can't really get mad at me for all of this stuff. That's like, that's the way it comes off by just jamming all of this shit together and like including it all in this one yeah glob about cancel and i think that she has every and right I, to address yeah. this right and yeah she absolutely she does, does absolutely. but yeah, it, yeah because it is, people it started like shoving this yeah. thing that she never wanted onto yeah. her face and that must be upsetting it's like the one thing yeah. about her that's like fuck that that genuinely sucks i do feel sorry that that's happening to her and yeah. it's, yeah. it's but just it, a shitty situation to be in is, yeah it's the fact that she is addressing yeah. it in the context of like this litany of defenses for her shitty behavior or even just dumb behavior in the past that it starts to feel like yeah. again like just a self-serving way of uh shielding herself from ever being criticized and i feel bad because then that, it also again, it lumps you know, all of the it lumps all of the legitimate critics with all of the people who genuinely yeah. did not know that that video was not supposed to have been up and yeah. who are like sharing it as content and you could you don't have to lay blame on these people like talking about it because even though it's shitty and it doesn't mean that they were shitty people for sharing it because they genuinely had no idea and she's now like lambasting yeah. like none of you are good people none of you are free from sin and it's yes. like that is the maybe the yeah. real thing is there's an institutional problem and and obviously she talks about like the whole like cancel culture thing like as a cultural thing but just don't don't say that to your viewers yeah it's just it comes off really gross it it comes off bad and it yeah like i like what you said carol i think that the implication that comes through is that um that she is implying that you are a bad person for criticizing her because uh like again this horrible thing happened to her and i i don't know i think that a a lot of good like a lot needs to be said about the way that 
healing from post-traumatic stress and sexual violence is not the way it, it, it can be weirder and messier and more uncomfortable and grosser and dare I say more cancelable than uh, a lot of people are willing to, you know, a lot of people are willing to engage with. And I think that is something that a smarter person than Lindsay Ellis needs to, you know, that's something that needs discussion that needs to be had. And I, I don't begrudge her at all for making this kind of goofy video as part of the healing process, because, you know, again, that humor is a way of dealing with really, really horrible traumatic incidents. But I think that where all of this becomes a problem is that she jams it in here. Like it's right after I was biphobic tomorrow, Wilson, and it's right before cancel culture has gone too far. She shares this very graphic and personal anecdote that comes with the implication. It's like, well, this thing happened to me. So you're basically, uh, you know, by canceling me, you know, you're basically the worst person in the world. And, and, and she, sorry, she just... goes through a, uh, a legitimate thing, which is that the left is too busy tearing into each other than they are like united yeah. against the right wing because the right wing has a solidarity to yeah. them that some of us don't, which like in any other video would have been a fair thing to do. But she's using that as a way for like, you shouldn't be canceling me. You should be canceling Mitch McConnell. And, so, and it's like, we don't. What good? Yeah. Care. What good would that be? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but th this is this brings up a really yeah. uh, important point. Yeah, instead of canceling me for biphobia, you should be canceling the devil. <laughs> <laughs> you should be canceling Dracula instead. Of me. <laughs> Good lord! Oh, I see. I see. When I'm when I'm biphobic to my friend, it's a problem. But when uh, Frankenstein's monster is on Twitter, uh, rampaging into my replies, y'all let that slide. I see. Yeah. Uh, see, see when the yeah, American the, werewolf in you are, London you are. is eating people, that's totally fine. But when I try to yeah. say something about Asian characters in media, I am told to go outside and get a life. Huh. <laughs> oh, so oh, so when I say that woman be calling the manager on speakerphone, I get in a lot of trouble. But when a mysterious creature from the woods repeatedly asks, where is its taily poke? That's fine with y'all. <laughs> oh, God. Free gloves. Uh, th this is, this is um, something really important about this video that we haven't touched on is that one of her defenses is like, I'm nobody, you know? Why are you coming after me? And the funniest way that she does this is she says, and I swear to God, I'm, this, she's, if you haven't seen the video, she actually says this. I wrote a book that was only number seven on the New York Times bestseller list. It's like, Jesus Christ, Lindsay. You cannot be pulling this card where it's like, I'm nobody. I'm just a random person on the internet. I she don't even matter. says that, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't have a PR team like all these celebrities. I just have a very disgruntled literary agent. And I'm like, agents are still... You are on PBS. You're on fucking PBS. You don't get to do this. I'm just some nobody. I just... You know who has a you know who actually kind of has a right to pull this, you know, I'm just some guy card? Fucking movie Bob. <laughs> God. He actually has a right. He's just some dude on the internet who makes awful videos and makes tweets about how eugenics is good. He's just some guy. You are like a you are borderline a celebrity. You fucking are on PBS. You are an established media figure. You've worked on all these productions. You are a published author on the New York Times bestseller list. You, of all people, have no right to say, oh, I'm not interesting enough to be canceled. You are 
famous. But here's the stop here's this. The you were, thing. you this have a modicum of power shows, in the media. Yeah. When she shows all yeah. of these fucking screen caps of all of these people who were yelling at her, it's like, how many followers do those accounts have, Lindsay? Like, this is yeah. the other fucked up thing. She's screen capping all these like, people with their names and user handles shown. So it's basically putting them on blast. This is like a very deliberate tactic. Like, it's yeah, not it, like she it, it thinks is, like, oh, when my followers see that screen cap, they're just going to ignore but, it and talk about how it sucks. It's like, no, it's a conscious thing when you post something like that. And you don't censor out the the names. It's you. It yeah. it is so like absurd to me the the way that she like at one time you know at one time says I'm not important. I'm not worth paying attention to, but then is like obsessing over these tweets from people with far far fewer followers with, like, or forty five you know, followers. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like well, why do you fucking care, Lindsay? And it's again, it's like you name searched these people. You looked at this on purpose, and these people in the w- do not matter in the way that you matter. You know, I don't mean that as a cruel yes. thing because I'm one of those fucking people, right? Like I wasn't in the video, but I was fucking tweeting about her. And I'm one of those people who doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Um, you are a media figure. I'm sorry, and this is what people always love to say, especially YouTubers. Like I don't matter. I'm not important. Like I'm sorry. You got a million followers. You have to accept that. Like yeah. You are a public figure yeah. in a way that's I, significant. I had 5,000 followers, less than that, at my peak on my old account, and people were talking about me. You have to learn to deal with that stuff if you have a kajillion followers. I'm sorry. You are going to be a figure of discussion, and that means that people are going to say negative things about you. If you can't take it, then you got to take some measures. I didn't like being a public figure, so I took several steps back from the public sphere. Lindsay, <laughs> the ball's in your court here. You, what you cannot do is fucking drag a bunch of annoying people named like Sapphic Witch 42 that have 30 followers on. How'd you find my all? 30 followers. <laughs> 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 yeah, you can't you you can't do that. You can't and just like I'll put them up on blast because some annoying teenagers said some shit about you. Like, you know what would happen when annoying teenagers would put me up on blast? I would mute them. I would mute them and move. Yeah, Muting is free. Blocking is free. Twitter has this yeah, great feature. I literally where you one can, time um, I pissed off. You can. I pissed off the K-pop horde once, and I just muted the tweet, laughed about it, and yeah. went on with my. You day. can turn off notifications from people you don't follow, and it's like you just never yeah. fucking see it ever. And sure, I get that, like, at a certain volume, it becomes unavoidable. But again, she deleted her Twitter account. She was free. It's like the moment where, like, you got out of, you managed to pull off your last score. You feel like you've gotten away with it all. You managed to get out by the skin of your teeth. But then someone's like, nah, one last job. One (laughs) last job. And again, something we take for granted is, like, how the fuck did she's, again... If she deleted her Twitter account, why? How did she even get these screen caps? Obviously, we know that she was looking for them, but like we also know that Lindsay, some of her friends yeah. may have been sending her stuff. Yeah, and that's fucked too. If you're one of Lindsay's friends and you were yeah, sending her this stuff, that's awful. Yeah, my friends were sending me screen caps of going like, 
Spencer, you sir are the you are the bastard of this earth. I would be like, just stop sending yeah, don't, me this. Like <laughs> Jesus so, Christ, I would never do that to my. Friends. I don't want to see. Horrible. I don't want to see this. No one would want to see it ever. Like even if it's funny. Like unless someone is like like posting actionable plans to kill me <laughs> or like it's like the funniest threat of all time. Then I really do not. Unless see someone it. is taking selfies outside my apartment, like you can just don't send it to me. I don't need to see it. Yeah, I, I really don't need to see what people get think about me. I'm sorry. It's a, I, I, I can guess. I can guess well enough, and that that is good enough. In fact, I'd prefer not to even guess. So, um, yeah, that that is the really uh gross and cynical part. Um, other than that, she talks on the Harriet Tubman tweets that we joked about earlier, and I think she misses the point that the reason why everyone makes fun of those Harriet Tubman tweets is that they're fucking weird as hell. <laughs> like. <laughs> it's still like, the worst thing I she's don't think done it's a... in my opinion it's mm. <laughs> I, I can see that I don't know I think that the reason why I just saw those tweets like I, I, you could definitely have a different reaction if you're a person of color I am not but my reaction on seeing those tweets was just like what? Yeah. it's what? so baffling the, I, her, what? your brain went her there. defense of it is really funny because if you don't know what we're talking about she did a tweet about how she saw the Harriet Tubman movie a couple years ago and was like she tweeted, hmm, I wonder if there's any fanfic out there between Harriet Tubman and her Twinkie former slave owner, which is an insanely weird thing to say. But her defense of it is like, uh, wow, guess all the people who are mad at me didn't see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, all, all the people who, who are mad at me for providing a very specific date of Joaquin Phoenix's death didn't watch Joker. <laughs> Uh, that's a yeah, that's a no, fucked but one. I, that's... I, I totally understand and empathize with why someone would be genuinely offended by that tweet. My reaction was that would be like if someone said that to me in real life, I'd be like, dude, you you have a nail in your brain. What the hell? <laughs> it's a fucking bizarre. Thing but to say, Carol, you think. can, Carol, if you if you have like more deeper issues with that like post in general than just like beyond like what. I'd love to I mean, it. it's just like, again, just don't think that stuff. Just don't. You don't have, like, just the yeah. fact that, like, that was something that her mind came up with. Like, whether, like, she didn't actually think that it was good or not. I just think, like, you don't have to tell people. Like, the fact that she told people about this, like, and she keeps saying, like, oh, yeah, I, I still have a problem with, like, it posting all of my, like, casual thoughts on Twitter. Then it's like... But that's still a thought that you had. I don't, I just don't, uh, I. Yeah, and she, I think this is a moment where she kind of links into this idea of like, yeah, sorry, I thought I could be just one of the boys and say whatever I wanted on Twitter, but I guess not. It's like, I promise you that is not the issue with you proposing the, the idea said of Harriet Tubman slash fic with her fucking slave owner. If one of the boys said that on Twitter, the reaction would probably be like 98.5% of that. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's just something you don't say on Twitter. There's some things that guys can get away with on Twitter that women can't. It sucks. It's sexist. It's awful. But that's I don't think one of those <laughs> one of those things is fantasizing about Harriet Tubman fanfic about her slave owner. That's, that's I think that excuse was what offended me the most. Was like I do, yes. <sighs> I don't have words. I don't have words. Yeah. She constantly goes by that refrain, though. It's just like she kind of always hints at and even says that she's the, the aggrieved one. Was motivated by yeah. 
Yeah, that she like the backlash to her is all rooted in misogyny, and it's like, yes, you got it worse because you're a woman. That is undeniable. But like, I, I, you can't just pull this card. It's like the only reason people would ever be mad at me is because I am a woman. Yeah. Like, Which it's such a white feminist viewpoint. Who from someone yeah. who is yeah. still obsessed with Gamergate? Like exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I am getting harassed dogpile style because I said that The Witcher 3 is cringe. That is, that it was never happened to me if I was a man. I do, I, can uh. I take a moment, by the way, to, aside from everything else, like the personal stuff and the, the pathology of Lindsay Ellis, I want to talk about a portion yeah. of this video that just really speaks to, more than anything else, the fact that she is a fucking shitty film analyst and just a really stupid person. Um, there's a part of this please, video please. I, I talked about a little on Twitter one of the things that she was cancelled for was the fact was a take that she had about the film The Prince of Egypt a film that I adore I Very adore it too I adore it incredible film I have not Spencer, seen it Spencer you should see it it's outstanding like one of the best it's animated movies ever one of the best um, musicals ever <laughs> it's incredible um, but she, the, her, ta- if her take on this film, which if you don't know, adapts the story of the book of Exodus, is that it's a problem that it paints the, you know, genocide of the firstborn Egyptian sons as a good thing because it leads, because the protagonist does it and it leads to the happy ending of the Jews escaping Egypt, <laughs> which is not, first of all, you are talking about a book from the Torah. Like, you are trying to apply a sort of, like... The Torah and the Old Testament, just... A modern moral dimension to this story from the Old Testament, which is, on its face, hysterical. But also, if you see the film The Prince of Egypt, like, the sequence of the firstborn children dying is deliberately depicted as something horrifying. Really horrifying! Yeah, it is, it is, it is, you know... It is chilling, and there's a there's a lot of scenes of Moses like walking around Egypt, looking at the devastation that 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 God is causing, and feeling this enormous guilt because he was raised as one of them, and he's feeling like, why do I have to be party to this? Why have I been brought here to, you know, bring devastation to these people who, for my entire life, I thought I was one of, and who I don't think are my enemy, and yeah, I don't it... think my brother is my enemy either. Um, and he's just feeling just like, you know riddled with this horrible guilt um and shame um and Lindsay ellis looks at this and is like well the protagonist did it so i guess the film thinks it's good it, it's She's just that, a deeply deeply stupid it's person. that classic youtuber thing of depiction equals endorsement that i exactly. cannot fucking exactly. stand i cannot stand it it's i i remember you were telling me about that before i had seen the whole video and i was like wait what i was <laughs> yeah I was see. I felt like I was losing my mind that anyone can misconstrue something that bad. It's it's and a willful misreading. It. She stands In by. The video, it. She does she not apologize down. for it. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out because that was one of the parts of the video that made me so mad. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm Mister and and depiction equals endorsement. I I I agree with that a hundred percent all the time. <laughs> I think Taxi Driver is about a guy who was cool. Oh, definitely. He was, yeah. he was it's very, about a guy with a cool, a yeah. sick haircut who, and everything he did was good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. But 
I, I we we have run very very long on this, and <laughs> I um, remember I watched the Sixth Sense. Still not as long I as the video. The Sense, still not as long as the fucking video. And I was like, man, outing people as ghosts is rad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but we should probably wrap this up, huh? We've gone longer on this than we did yeah. on our main segment. I know. Uh, because it's well, it's a well, meal. We... It's a whole buffet. It really is, yeah. Lindsay Ellis is going to read Lolita and it's like, well, the protagonist is doing this, so... Literally. <laughs> I can't believe so, that Full Metal uh, Jacket is a pro-war movie. Yeah. That's like... She, she is very much like if Jonathan McInt- McIntosh wasn't cool. Like, Jonathan McIntosh is like a fucking sage warrior because he just says, like, the most insane shit ever and believes it with his heart of hearts. And he he he, he is in this for the love of the game. McIntosh would never make, like, a two-hour-long video about mean people online. No, you, you know what like this is. You know what this about, is. She's a... He would keep talking about how it's okay to cry at, like, at, like food or whatever. <laughs> But you know what this is, though? She she looks like that. She's more just female YouTuber Noah Berlatsky. God, she yeah. so is. Yeah. Those two that, guys. That's just up. her. Yeah. They those are, those are friends to the end. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> don't send this energy to the universe. <laughs> oh, no. What have we done? Oh, boy. Ugh. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this half. Half. (laughs) Two thirds of it. We are going to take a quick break and we are going to jump back in time and we're going to talk about the review must go on after this. Bye bye. See you soon. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Get Cynical, the damnation of Doug Walker. Uh, we we have recently just fully explored Doug's passion project that was doomed from the start demo reel and uh once demo reel had officially tanked doug was left with no other option to but to bring back the nostalgia critic and he did so with a short film called the review must go on and so we're talking about that today but it's not just me and esther this week we have a special guest carol avery grant carol how are you doing hi it's uh i i don't know what i'm doing here all i know is i'm ready to die that's that's yeah. that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> I'm glad you're prepared. Yeah. So, oh boy. um, yeah, we are we are back, uh, just like the nostalgia critic, and we're talking about the review must go on. And I was looking forward to this one because, for starters, it's short. It's short, but short, quote unquote, still being half an yeah. hour, but short by his yeah. standards. Yeah. But it is also uh, I I remember this being a um, a big deal when I was a teenage nostalgia critic fan, and no, I same. saw a review titled "The Review Must Go On," and I was like, "Yeah." But uh, before we get into it, I gotta ask you, Carol, uh, what is your history with the nostalgia critic? Pretty much the same as most people. I was a dumb teenager or twelve year old or whatever, and I saw his videos. I thought they were funny. And then I watched Kickassia and was like, this is fucking rad. And then I just kept watching. And uh, now I am here today as a more or less evolved person looking back and going, wow, this is like 
peering into the abyss of not only his soul, but my soul as well. The It's not just Doug who's doing the exorcism with this. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the review must go on. Uh, the, the general gist of this is that... Um, uh, it, it is basically just a short film meant to bridge the worlds of Demo Reel and the revived Nostalgia Critic back together. And um, do we just want to get right into the plot, or Esther, do you have any beginning notes? No, I mean, it is... What's funny is that this is uh, listed as the finale of Demo Reel, which I think and is... And it uh, is! <laughs> it, it's really funny that this is supposed to be like... I mean, it is it is in canon in the narrative of Demo Reel, right? Um, but the fact that this wasn't just a standalone short film that he released, but that it was supposed to be like the official conclusion to this other show is just like, I mean, we'll get into it. But the way that it leaves the Demo Reel cast is like so mean and it's, so yeah. sad. <laughs> so the fact that this is just like is supposed to be officially like, yep, this is how demo reel ends. It's just unbelievable. Um, demo reel died on the way back to its own planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it does. It literally does get the the poochie treatment. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, demo reel or uh, review must go on begins with like as like a demo reel episode and. Uh, pointing out technical issues has become like a running thing in the show. But one of the funniest ones I've seen so far has been when they're like, you know, they're in the room and Malcolm and um, Rachel and uh, Donnie are all in the room together. And <laughs> you can see like the cameraman. They just have the sounds of the cameraman just like shuffling the camera around in its hands included. So you just hear all, <laughs> you just hear all this bumping noises and stuff. But um yeah, it's it turns into like a little horror movie because uh, you know, for starters, his coffee turns into water and then all of the demo reel cast members start disappearing. And not and, just disappearing, you know, one... but then everyone else goes like, "Who? I don't remember this person." It's like they vanished yeah. from existence and time itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um I, I was worried going into this that we wouldn't have much to talk about, but as soon as Donnie runs into a room, and instead of uh, Malcolm's script, it just says, come back, come back, come back, come back, <laughs> written over and over and over again. Um, like the fucking, <laughs> like the Prince of Darkness text on the computer. Um, it, I, I knew that there was, there was going to be some good stuff here. Hell, there's, there's already like Vanilla Sky style, like whisperings in the beginning of like, come back. Like, he's basically the messiah who needs to wake up from the nightmare. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, so, it, we, I mean, if if this wasn't clear, by the way, um, the, the whole purpose of this short film is that he is trying to make an in-narrative excuse to bring back the nostalgia critic and sort of, not just that, but try to explain his reasoning why, I guess, to his audience and make kind of make an excuse for it, um, which is... It, it's really bizarre because I think, you know, any other creator would have just said, all right, this show isn't really working. I'm just going to go back to the popular thing that I used to do um, and maybe do a video like out of character to announce it. Right. But for yeah. it, it is so uniquely dug to do this half hour horror. What is a horror movie? Basically, <laughs> where yeah. he and we're about to get into it, where he personally, Doug Walker, is tormented by the apparition of his former character 
Um, it's yes. literally just uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare, but with the nostalgia <laughs> critic as uh, Freddy Krueger. Well, one thing that I think is really fascinating about this is that um, the vibe I get from this short film is you see, you see like a glimpse of Doug's process of deciding to bring back the critic in real time, and. You only get hints of the real reason, which is that demo reel had completely tanked. Tank. And also, he was forced by uh, producers like Mike Michaud and various other like Channel Awesome people going, like, we're yeah. hemorrhaging money now. You need to bring this yeah. back. And whatever. It's... Yeah. Um, but you, you see, like, <laughs> you really see him try to, like, rationalize it in the movie itself. Um, like... Once the once the Prince of Darkness comeback thing happens, uh, Doug the character cuts Doug the character, and he starts like calling other Channel Awesome contributors to ask for advice. Like, hey, uh, do you should I bring back the Nostalgia Critic? I'm thinking this might be a good idea. But actually, sorry, I'm jumping around a bit. Before that, what happens is is that Doug, um, the character in this, he gets a, a package. And it's the copy of the movie The Odd Life of Timothy Green, which... What a pull. Seen... Have any of us seen that? No. No. I, I have maybe he even jokes it. that no one has seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like a recent movie at the time, I think. Yes. Mm. Which is a, it's a recent thing. movie that Disney put out, as in that mm. Disney. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, you get to see Doug doing nostalgia critic rants in his room after watching it. And he's like, hey, that felt really good. Um, so he, uh, he decides that it might be time to bring back the nostalgia critic. And um, he, yeah, he calls other Channel Awesome contributors. And one of the immediately he calls Linkara and it gets so much funnier. Once you remember back in the previous episode, we talked about how Linkara personally was like talking to doug while demo reel was failing and Linkara would tell doug like hey do not bring back the nostalgia critic you have made your decision you've got to stick with you got to stick to your guns it's whatever but in the actual movie he's just like well you know uh if you want to you know if it's you made your decision but if it's right for you then you can bring back the nostalgia critic and I do think it's really funny that the what he writes for these other creators very clearly reflects how he views them and how he views his relationship with them. Whereas, yeah. like, like you say, in real life, Lewis was someone who was very much saying, don't do this. But he writes him as this person who's, like, very supportive of whatever he wants to do, very, like... Everyone's a Doug surrogate. We've been over this. He can only write it, well, people yeah. as surrogates of himself. But what's really funny is that he writes Lindsay as very, like, antagonistic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I, I want to talk about this. So, uh, basically, he starts asking her about it and then saying that Lindsay is now the uh, the one that everyone goes to for nostalgic movie reviews, which was <laughs> not true. It was yeah. not true. Everyone was, like, losing viewers because... Of the fallout of Demo Reel. His show, like, his failures literally, like, managed to transcend and project onto everyone else on the site. What also happened is that, uh, Lindsay wasn't doing that at all. Like, no. by this point in, 
by this point in her career, she had long since stopped doing like nostalgic movie reviews. And I, I remember at the time she was already like kind of pioneering the more like essayistic format. Um, and I, I even remember there was like a little tie-in to uh, to Boldly Flee in one of Lindsay's videos. It was like the 10 best 90s music videos or something, which I remember actually being a pretty good video. And, um, you know, it was talking about like, you know, at the beginning, she's like, yeah, I got a nostalgia monopoly now. And then she immediately goes on to do something completely different than what Doug would ever do. It's just so fascinating that this is how he views his departure and how it's affected everyone when yeah. in actuality it it's just the whole thing and then not only that but it also shows her as like needing to sabotage the critics return so that she can remain the monopoly quote unquote it's yeah, it's, it's really bizarre <laughs> it's the, the one of the funniest moments in the video is when there's a joke where Doug is like well, I'm glad I can talk to you, Lindsay. I know you don't have an agenda or anything or, or aren't trying to manipulate me to be be in power. And then the joke is, oh, she actually is. She actually does have a plan to keep him away from being the nostalgia critic. And it's funny because the joke is supposed to be that she, oh, they aren't really like that in real life. But if you know anything about Lindsay Ellis, you know, no, she actually yeah. is like that in real life. And <laughs> Lindsay is like actually funny. that conniving in real life. It's so <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. Um, yeah. But as as in between him making these like calls to other creators, and I think the only other one is wait wait wait. I I want to say I want to say because this this was the one laugh that I got from this video is he calls Brad Jones and he's like, hey, can should I bring back the nostalgia critic? And he just goes, I don't care, and hangs up. That was good. Yeah, that is that was was the one really good joke. Um, but it's like the Brad, the way Brad says it to, he's like, oh, <laughs> I don't care. And just hangs up. It's so, it's so, it's actually really good. But, uh, um, oh boy. So. And also how also, I would react to, but yeah. Yeah. How any of us the, would, the, yes. The bulk of, um, the bulk of this is the nostalgia critic, like, comes back and appears in, like, the mirror or in, like, haunted video screens. And it, it basically is sort of Doug talking with. Uh, the character and it is so fascinating to just see like the the bargaining for his soul in real time just you know the nostalgic character he's literally portrayed as like the devil on his shoulder like it made such a big point into both leafly about oh he's such an evolved character who now has empathy blah blah and it's like no when he comes back he's a more vindictive snide meaner person than he was yeah. before, which is He's... also funny considering the other stuff that they mentioned later on, which we'll get to. Oh yeah, totally. But no, yeah, he's he is the nostalgia critic. This is the most fascinating thing about the about this sh- short to me. The way that Doug portrays the nostalgia critic as this like force of manipulative evil in his life, who is constantly yeah. trying to convince him to do things he knows are wrong and is and are bad for him, and that he doesn't want to do. And that is trying to like convince him that this is what he really wants, um, which or, makes, or like, like there, not even just that, just that this is who you really are. Exactly, you aren't yeah. like an actual like filmmaker with actual things to say. You're actually me, which yeah, yeah. it's it's fucked, and it's like it's it's funny because a lot of times in this short, Doug will be talking to someone and he'll say like, yeah, you know, I feel like. Uh, maybe I have more ideas to do with a nostalgia critic and maybe like 
Um, when I watched The Odd Life of Timothy Green, it actually made me feel like the bit isn't dead and there's more, you know, there's more places we could go with it. And I actually do enjoy it after all. But then, like, that's the version of things that he would have said in the version of this where that was just a channel update. Um, but then he also has these scenes with the nostalgia critic where he's being like, it's like the devil on his shoulder saying like, oh yeah, you know, you just needed, saying saying things like, you just needed a break. You just got burned out with this like extremely sinister tone. It's it's so fascinating the way that, because this is supposed to be the character's return, the beloved character. And as like we talked about with the last demo reel, and we will get to this later too, but the last few episodes of Demo Reel are all about how guilty he feels about what he did with the Nostalgia Critic. They are entirely about, like, yeah. how how, how poisonous people, the you know? entire ethos of it was to culture and to, exactly, like, humanity yeah. as a whole. So I think it's so interesting that in this, he made this thing announcing the character's return, and he was, like, very clearly still trying to say, like, okay, but... I can't, like, just go back on that. Like, I need you all to understand that if you want this back, fine, but it's bad for you. It's bad for me, and it's bad for you, and it's not good. Um, yeah. But then God, again, nobody so watched Demo Reel, so it's not like they would know. They would not have <laughs> exactly. that lesson imparted <laughs> exactly. on them. I I also, this is a side note, but uh, what in one of the conversations, uh, the Nostalgia Critic is like, you know, you liked doing this, but you got burnt out because you had this insane schedule. And the one thing I got to say in the Nostalgia Critic's defense is that Doug actually did have a really, really insane schedule based on what I could gather. Like, hmm. he he was doing a Nostalgia Critic episode um, every, one, every week. Every week. Every week. Yeah. Uh, he was had to like film, write, edit. There's like a 20 minute video every week. He was also doing crossovers. He was also doing like other videos, like bum reviews, and he would do like vlogs and all of this stuff. And I, I am genuinely kind of impressed by uh, how much shit he did. Even though hey, that's just his good. work ethic. <laughs> that's just his work ethic. That's just his work. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it is kind of an insane work ethic, though. Like, Jesus Christ. That's yeah. like a small, that's like the small business owner work ethic is like working like 85 hours a week to make like, I don't know, like, I guess Doug actually did make a decent amount of money doing this, but he, he worked quite a lot. No, anyways, there's also a part where the nost uh, Doug is like debating with a nostalgia critic, and Doug says, "Come on, there's more to life than quoting memes and running jokes." And it's like, "Oh, oh, oh!" <laughs> you, hmm. you know, one of my favorite little uh, anecdotes about Doug is that he go to cons a lot, and every time he'd go to cons, his fans would do some of the running jokes to him, and he'd always have to like be nice about it and play to the crowd like he uh if you if you're if you're not familiar with nostalgia critics videos in his batman and rob one of his most famous moments is that when he was reviewing batman and robin he had like a meltdown about the bat credit card in the movie and uh it, it became so famous that um every time doug was at a con he'd basically like have a bunch of different fans handing him a bat credit card and he'd have to like freak out at them for it and also, like, a lot of, by the time, um, you know, by the time the Nostalgia Critic was wrapping up, there were so many running jokes in those videos 
that like uh i don't know you needed a wiki you genuinely needed a wiki (laughs) yeah to keep up with that stuff and uh i i think that you can see it's so sad because when he brought back the nostalgia critic i don't know if either of you two have seen some of the revival videos but oh i have (laughs) he's been trying he seemed to be trying to like have it both ways where he okay i gotta do this for the money but maybe i can incorporate like demo reel style sketches and i can shift away from like the meme humor or whatever and that and also uh malcolm and rachel were in those sketches Mm -hmm. that he would devise yeah 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 and Um, that feels like very much an apology to them for oh 100 percent for for getting yep. them into this thing and and so abruptly ending it, but I mean, there's a scene in the review must go on where Doug like negotiates with the nostalgia critic about, and again, fascinating because this could have just been a an update he did out of character where he discussed here's you know it's coming back, but here's what's going to be different. But instead, he does it like this fucking you know <laughs> negotiation with uh with with Satan. a really sinister negotiation where exactly yeah. <laughs> It's the battle for his soul. Yeah, he says, all right, but we're only going to do it two weeks. And then the Nostalgia Critic says, okay, but, you know, I want to do more recent releases. Um, And it's just like, it it is is so dark. It is one of the darkest things, certainly the darkest thing we've watched so far for this podcast. 100%. It's literally just like the real-time tragedy of his life just... Of how it's just one passion project just getting obliterated by this meme character he had grown to hate. And how, like, how, again, the Revival Nostalgia Critic was a lot more successful than Demo Reel, obviously. And, um, it, but it, uh, it still, like, it still was kind of divisive because a lot of people did not like the incorporation of skits. And if I had to guess, I think that Doug's attempt to. Uh, move away from like the style of a uh, you know the style of meme humor basically that he used in his older reviews i think that's what like the teenagers who watched the nostalgia critic liked about it but you know then again like we've like we've said a couple times like there will always be a new generation of 12 year olds um mm. to 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 watch this shit and like yeah the revival nostalgia critic is popular like i'm gonna actually yeah. look up what how many views his most it is recent quite video popular has. I'm sure it, the thing is, I'm sure it wasn't nearly as popular as uh, Nostalgia Critic at its peak, like pre-demo reel. Maybe. Um, I don't like, know. I, I think you have to adjust for a fl- inflation there, too, since, like, the, 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 what was, like, a really big um, viewing in 2010 is, like, nothing in 2021. That's oh, true. I mean, <laughs> looks like all his recent ones are getting, like, consistently over 300,000 views, sometimes, like, half yeah. a million. Um, which isn't yeah. like gigantic. It's a it's a far cry from like what stuff can do on YouTube now. Um, yeah, but still, like that is it's a consistent following. Yeah, remarkably, it is consistent. enough to sustain a living. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah he he is a he is big, but I think that one, as Carol said, it's quite possible that like adjusted for inflation, it wasn't as big as the nostalgia critic was back in the day, and two. It it really did feel like with the revival series, it's where uh, the nostalgia critic became like a punchline, basically. Like obviously yeah. the tide was turning for a while, but I feel like 
there was once a time where stuff like to boldly flee wasn't like a constant like a running joke basically like it, it wasn't a punchline and i feel like maybe well what it was was it was when the very first generation of doug fans began to grow up and yeah yeah mature <laughs> yeah and it's, and it's it's i think it's also that just because there are so few like web things that started when nostalgia critics started that are still going um yeah even people like you know Lindsay who or or lewis who are like more or less still doing what they've always done but they've definitely like matured the style of it um i don't know if lewis has Lindsay has yeah um but yeah it's like the idea that it would be like if the annoying orange was still uploading videos every single week it would be a no it would be it would still be like if fred were still annoying uh, uh, yeah uh, it would, it would making be videos. Exact, yeah if like fred who, I, is, who very visibly looked 45 years old was still making those videos every single week it would be treated I, I the gotta, same way i gotta say this is i note about the annoying orange one of the funniest things i've seen on twitter recently is like when the annoying orange account uploaded a video and there were just thousands of responses that were just oranges being sliced in half and juiced or whatever <laughs> just like you just scroll down for just minutes and it was just all just like oranges being sliced in half <laughs> that was one of the funniest That's pylons so i think funny. i've ever seen but yeah no it is i i do kind of admire um i do admire that in a weird way that Doug is still around. But I think that him trying to split the difference is what was dangerous because he, he pissed off the first generation of nostalgia critic fans by changing the style. And that caused people to turn on him a bit. Um, so he essentially, he gets to keep making money, but he doesn't get like any of the other benefits. He doesn't get the creative. He doesn't get any of the cultural capital that uh yeah he yeah no one is it. dressing up as the nostalgia critic at cons anymore i mean i am but oh yeah you know yeah, we, we <laughs> should go to a con in in nostalgia critic cosplay i think that yeah. would be very cool i i think yeah. the other important thing that needs to be said was that it wasn't just uh this thing of his creative passion project failed it was also that uh his new like quote-unquote like in, in a weird way, Demo Reel was him, quote-unquote, maturing in his own ass-backwards yeah. way. But it was him, like, maturing his own content or style. And it was basically, like, a flat-out rejection of that. Like, the whole point of Demo Reel... Like, here's the thing. I started to catch up on all of Demo Reel to prepare for this because I had only, like, read the synopses of, like, what happens. But I was, like, so curious. Like, how did this actually play out? And I was watching the Blue Patches episode, and I started getting emotional, not because, like, it was that good, but it was, it had, it was the first thing that Doug made that had a sense of emotional honesty to it, and was not afraid to embrace the same cliches that he would make fun of in any other video, and, like, just what it represented to him of just... Yeah. I'm finally, like, sort of stepping away from this. These people have faces and names and lives. And I want to at least be an artist that actually has something to say, even if it is trite. But that's what makes art good. And then everyone looked down and whispered, no. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh-huh. a side note, Esther, but 
You should go to a convention dressed as the nostalgia critic, but then pretend you don't know who the nostalgia critic <laughs> is. Like, just if someone if someone asks you, "Oh, are you the nostalgia critic?" You're like, "No, no, I, I'm a guy who's cool. I, I'm a I, my my character is I'm a cool guy." No, I just thought it would be like funny if I like wore a tie and it was like kind of loose. Um, and this is just like yeah. a hat that I have. Uh, <laughs> this is yeah. just my regular wardrobe. Yeah. No, I'm not here for the convention. I'm just like here to shop at the mall. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. <laughs> please, please leave me alone. I'm going to go I in. I wear my hat in the office indoors. Please, I'm in a rush. Yeah, I. Just a '50s guy who wears a suit and tie to go on a plane, but he just dresses exactly <laughs> like the nostalgia critic. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. No. It. You are right, Carol. Though that. Uh, the essential tragedy of this is that Blue Patches is his attempt to, we talked about it before, it's his attempt to grow up, basically. It's his attempt to really reckon with what he has done. And, um, you know, people just didn't want to see it. That's just one of the essential uh, trappings of being like an internet personality is that, you know, people people want you to be what they've kind of like the version of you that they've made you out as. And when you deviate it from, from that at all, you know, they'll get pissed and nostalgia critic was a huge, huge figure and he just couldn't pull it off. Lindsay managed to pivot because she kind of did it gradually. And, um, she didn't have like the cultural capital that Doug did. But, uh, I think that, I think that Lewis was right when he was talking to Doug that, this needed to be like a slow pivot. I think that if Doug kept up the nostalgia critic and then did demo reel every once in a while, and then slowly shifted towards focusing more on demo reel and took a break from the critic. I think that he would be a much more spiritually fulfilled man, but yeah, he, I mean, it speaks the fact that he didn't him. do that. I think speaks to how, how done he was with the, with the critic, right? Like yes. in a way that, in a way that, the review must go on tries to disguise it tries to play off like oh again you know like we were saying you just needed a break you got burned out but now you're ready to go back it's like no he and now that we know like the true story that was so not true yeah exactly just a narrative being peddled to to the audience to make it seem as less bad than it actually was which was that he was practically forced to by the powers that be and not only yeah. that, but uh, the extra, like, tragic lining of all this was that he was trying to make something that was, quote-unquote, like, emotionally sincere, but he was giving it to an audience that he primed to react to that kind of emotional sincerity with pummeling, with the exact yeah. kind of thing that he was telling people that stupid. Exactly. And he, he got his due diligence. He got his comeuppance. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it could not be more Shakespearean. Speaking of getting his comeuppance, we should move into talking about the demo reel stuff at the end of this thing, because it is something else. Um, when, 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 so after all of this, after all of this, and Doug sort of negotiates with the nostalgia critic, it cuts back to him writing the demo reel finale. And what happens is the, the plot hole appears in front of Donnie. And what is revealed is that all of demo reel was basically this like purgatory that was created for the nostalgia critic, uh, putting him in the role of this person who is this filmmaker, who with this terribly tragic life, who would always make films that were you know terrible and hated and mocked. And the idea was that 
this would be this is supposed to be the uh, the nostalgia critic's way of atoning for all the pain he caused as in his role as the critic um, and all the people he whose lives he hurt and the idea is that now you're ready to be the critic again but yeah now you're remember. more evolved and wiser you have exactly, more empathy yeah. And, <laughs> and yeah if, you'll if, always if you... remember that like the people who make this stuff are real people and they really feel pain and you can really hurt them um, and you. <laughs> If you watch the revival nostalgia critic episodes, that doesn't happen. Nope. (laughs) And, and what's especially, you know, okay. Like, I mean, let's break that down because it is very much Doug's, I think, way of trying to reconcile how he ended demo reel with the fact that he is going to immediately go back to the nostalgia critic, which demo reel was a narrative designed to criticize. Um, Yeah. The idea. And it's just, it's again, just like, the idea that turning this narrative of self-criticism into a narrative of like atonement for his sins, like he would nothing about demo real struck, uh, struck me as like, he is trying to, uh, atone. It is all just, no. it's more like a reckoning. It's a reckoning. It's guilt. It's just the, his, his own guilt and shame on screen. And the idea that he's like, all right, well now that I've gone through that, now I will know better is just, like, it is unbelievable. Yeah. And and not only that, but it's, like, uh, apparently, like, they said that they needed to have the Nostalgia Critic back, but that didn't mean he had to end Demo Reel. He could have just, like, kept making Demo Reel on the side, like, every, like, once a month or so, but he would keep doing the Nostalgia Critic as, like, a regular thing, a bi-weekly thing. And instead, he just decided to just torch he did a scorched earth policy he just yeah. went well since nobody liked it i'm just going to torch the entire thing and run from it i don't even give a fuck because this is what everyone wanted it's and it's and he actually in the in the short he turns to the fucking cast of demo reel and is like what well, what about you guys you won't exist anymore and he has these people like reassure him like oh don't worry we'll be all right uh this is what was this is what was meant to be and will always be here if you need to learn your lesson again <laughs> and it's like this is one of like the most the most upsetting moments of Doug's eomania i think also it, it's you know like it's especially funny because apparently like after doing some research whenever demo real characters were brought back during the nostalgia critic revival it was like in a really mean way of like there there's apparently this resident evil 7 uh let's play of the demo that came out and it ended with the characters of demo reel instead of like the hillbillies in resident evil 7 like torturing and kidnapping like the people who found like the cabin or something and it's basically portraying them as like monsters and like torturers and like vessels of failure and it it's uh <laughs> the mind yeah, reels wow. <laughs> yeah the idea that doug would go back to it in order to like i i know you're not having seen what what that is um i think it is interesting just the idea that doug would basically like that he would disavow doug, it to such yeah, a scale when it's when it's so clearly 
it's so clear here that he is so guilty about having to leave it behind and leave these people behind or, you know, uh, you know, kind of reconfigure their role in his, in his work. But like, yeah, I mean, just the idea that he is, he is ashamed, not because Demo Reel was bad, right? But because it was the one moment in his life where he was just, so, he failed so enormously that he was forced to do some, go back to doing something he hates. Um, Jesus, <laughs> like, it's just sad. It's yeah. so dark. <laughs> um, do we have anything else to add about this short? I guess, uh, I, I have one one more thing that I want to add because I, I also watched uh, that video about the, the failure of Demo Reel, which I, I forget the name of the girl who... I think it was Lady, Lady, Emily. Lady Emily, yeah. Lady Emily, yes. Yeah. Lady Emily made a video and she made this comparison, which I actually think is a little bit apt. Like, I don't agree 100% with it, but it's there's something there, which is that Demo Reel was... Uh, Evangelion episodes 25 and 26. It was the big reckoning of all of the like bad shit that went down. And then uh, Review Must Go On and also the revival in general is End of Evangelion where it's like, okay, here's what you asked for. You got all the things you wanted and now every character is worse off. I thought that was apt. Just the idea of like, you know, the last two episodes of Evangelion being about this character have coming to this reckoning and realization and kind of being able to break free of it and, and, and move on and be happy. And then end of Evangelion saying, repeating those events and saying, no, you're fucked. You're a failure. You will never escape this. Yes. (laughs) It is like, and then even like rebuild of Ava, which maybe you could argue that's the true parallel (laughs) to the revival is that, is that you will keep making the same mistakes again and just making everyone's lives worse. You'll make third impact, like, and fourth impact, like, innumerable times and just manage to just fuck everything up and burn every bridge. But it doesn't matter because you're giving the fans what they wanted. Because the story of... I think the reason why all of this is so fascinating is that the story of the Nostalgia Critic... It's not just the story of Doug and his bullshit. It's the story of the internet and emotional uh, dishonesty winning the day. It's beautiful. (laughs) I don't endorse any of these uh, Evangelion comparisons. (laughs) Just blanket. No no bearing on whether or not they're accurate. Hey, you knew what you were getting when you you got me on board. I I don't... don't... (laughs) I don't like to endorse this type of behavior. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's going to do it, folks. Uh, check in next week where I think we're doing uh, Uncanny Valley next. It's either Uncanny Valley or Pop Quiz Hotshot. Yeah, we keep being uh, told we got to do the game show. <laughs> so whichever one comes first chronologically, we're going to do. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. yeah. But, so yeah uh, for th- another installment in this never-ending podcast, tune in next time. Bye-bye. Doug sleeps for no one.